0: Praise God in the highest. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads throughout the sanctuary. And let us remember, let not your heart be troubled. You might be facing incredible challenges at home. Or maybe challenges internally in your mind. You might feel your emotions all battered today. And we trust God. Perhaps all around us we see and feel devastation, but God is still on the throne. As we've been able to sing, there is no one greater than he. The mountain might seem huge, insurmountable, but God is greater than that mountain. The challenge might seem like it's too heavy to bear, and it probably is in the natural, but you need to hear you're not alone. God is by your side walking you through and at moments carrying you. Sometimes on the outside, people believe that we have it all together. But yet we're facing situations that we would never imagine, even to our worst enemies. But such is life. God is faithful. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be in despair. Let not your mind be confused. You're not standing on soft ground. You're standing on solid ground. Solid ground. Solid ground. Just because you don't see it yet does not mean that God has not already sent it. Just because you don't see the answer, the response, just because the healing has not arrived, does not mean that God has not sent that your way. Father, we stand in awe of you. And your presence fills this place, fills every home watching us right now, living in an upside-down world, topsy-turvy, Just when we thought that the problem was resolved, all of a sudden something else spurts up. Just when we thought there was no issue any longer, the issue surfaces again. In fact, Lord, we had a hunch all along that something was brewing, but now we're facing that something. We don't like it. We wish that it was different. We're praying to you right now, confident that you are by our side, that that peace that surpasses all understanding is poured into our minds and into our hearts. And although we see the fireworks all around us, we even can hear the whisperings of doom Nonetheless, we're trusting you. We're believing in you. Father, I come against powers, principalities, influences of darkness, imaginations, conclusions of destruction already. And we decide by faith to put our hope and trust in you. So that is why confidently we can come against sickness and infirmity, the storms that visit our families, the war that rages in our minds and in the emotions, and we send the word of peace. We neutralize the works of the enemy. We speak health and command cells, tissues, and organs To begin to function normally again in Jesus' name. Not in our authority, but in Jesus' name. We pray for our loved ones, Lord, experiencing stress and tensions and anxieties. Father, and we send the word of calm, the word of peace in that situation. I pray for those that have recurring dreams, Lord of doom and gloom and destruction, that our minds can be renewed today. I pray, Lord, for those that are navigating right now through loss and grief and sorrow that is visiting their journey once again. We place our hope in you because we know science may fail, friends may fail, religious people may fail, but you never, ever, ever fail. People may cut us off and try to cut us down, but what you do, dear God, is you draw us closer to you every day. So I send right now, Lord, the Spirit of the living God, Holy Ghost, breathe over this congregation. Breathe over our friends that are watching us right now and in a supernatural way because this is what you do. This is what you do. You calm the storm. You send the light to penetrate darkness. You calm our confusion. That is the miracle of walking with you. So Father, by the authority of this pulpit, the ministry of this church, relying only on you, Lift up your hands throughout the sanctuary. Breathe upon us, Holy Spirit. Every man, woman, and child right now would feel, Lord, that overwhelming sense of your presence. It might be illogical. It might not make sense. But we know deep down inside it is right. as well. in this moment. Just bask in this moment. You thought God forgot about you. You came in here thinking it doesn't matter anymore. Why keep battling? Why keep believing? He showed up just for you. Just for you. Just for you. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Is there a soft praise to the Lord today? Is there a church that praises him? You may be seated. I just want to encourage you, church, before I go into my sermon today, that moments like we just experience are not fabrications of the human heart. Um, I really believe that as we work at consecration, as commitment, confession before the Lord, the moments like we feel right now, there's a, there's a stillness in the air. There's a quietness in the air, but it isn't because things are calm. It's because we're calm, but God is working in your favor. In the heavenly realm, there are squadrons of defenses that have been sent out. And part of uh, the work of the ministry of this church, and certainly I feel it, I do feel it, as a burden over even my call uh, as I minister, is um, to invite you into that secret place, into that quiet place. And it might seem contradictory because of the type of church we are. We're charismatic, effervescent. But it's in the moments of that quietness where he walks in and it's almost like a loving father with a big heavy hand all of a sudden comes and touches you on the back of your head and tells you it's going to be okay. It's like big burly dad comes up and just picks you up and You can't walk anymore, so let me carry you. You That place where you're almost afraid to pray out loud because your prayer sounds like it's filled with doubt and unbelief. So you don't pray it out loud, but you keep that in. And The Lord needs you to know today that he knows your heart. He's still madly in love with you. And you say, yes, but what I did, he says, I still love you. I still care. And I don't know about you, but that's what makes you a giant in your faith walk. That's what I believe. That you don't freak out like others. You cry. You weep. You hurt. But you know in whom you have believed. That's what helps you navigate through. We're living in challenging times. I keep saying that because it is so true, and it seems to be getting worse and worse as we see with this covid situation and all the other uncertainties. You know what's amazing? That under the layer of covid and under the layer of all the political upheaval that we're seeing, we're still still living life. There's still regular stuff happening. <laughs> but God is the God about the big stuff, but he's the God about the little stuff as well. And some of us are still battling with situations that we were we had last year. And God has not forgotten I just want to encourage you today, you know, I I want you to uh, not cover the sky with your hands thinking, no, somebody else, not me. No, things are going to happen. But God is faithful. He doesn't give up loving you. In some situations, he'll chase after you. He really will. And I just want to declare to you, when it's God chasing you, you're going to lose. He's going to catch up to you. Uh, Today's a very special Sunday, not simply because it's the beginning of Advent, Advent is the time where we're anticipating the birth of Christ. We're we're heading toward Christmas. That's what tradition of Advent is. Heading toward Christmas. This is going to be an interesting Christmas, right? (laughs) Um, And that's what today, but for us today in our church, it's also Bible Sunday. And it turns out that that's the way the calendars work out. And today, as you see here on the platform, we have um, a gift for you that we want to give you. But I don't want you to just receive this without thinking through the weight of what we're doing here today. In the middle of this COVID era, in a way, this is evangelism in a new way. In and, and, and the COVID era, this is another way of encouraging the people of God. So I, I want to talk just for a few moments on the subject, the Bible, because it's Bible Sunday. Not just any book. Uh, studies show over and over that every year, one of the mo- one of the most the books that sold the most is the Bible. And if I ask for your hands to go up, many of us, we may have one version of uh, Catcher in the Rye, (laughs) Uh, but we have many versions of Scripture. Uh, I have in my home, in my office, and even on your phone right now, there's so many versions of Scripture. But it doesn't really matter unless Scripture is inside of you. And you get to get a different view. And that's what I want to try and do today before we go into the distribution of these Bibles this day. The Bible is an important book in our society. Religions from all over the world use it, and even portions of it are used by some religions as the the main source of their spiritual teaching, their spiritual tenets. And you might agree or disagree of how they interpret and, and, and lay out those tenets, but nonetheless, it is the Bible, the focal point. And for Christianity, the Bible is an incredible starting point for all things divine. If you want to know God or know about God things, you have to get into the Word of God. It is that point of departure, that launching point to know. The Bible, these that we have here and the one that I have in my hand, it's, it's interesting when you think about it that when Jesus went to heaven, the book of Acts, first century, by the way, this church gets its name, Primitive from the first, church, first century church. We should actually more technically be called the first century church or the church of the apostles or first Christian church. Or maybe we'll just leave it as primitive. That's fine. <laughs> but we really come from the tradition of what happened in the first century. And when, when the Lord was called up to heaven, he was crucified and he was entombed and then he resurrected and then he presented himself and then he was about to ascend to heaven. He left us two things. Two things, because technically the Lord is not with us. The Father making intercession for you. But he said, but before I go, I'm going to send to you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, which means one that walks alongside me. And he's going to journey with you through your journey in life. So although we say the Lord Jesus is with me, he was with me today at work, we understand that that you're not off, you're not being anti-biblical. But technically, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and for you. He sent the Holy Spirit, and there needed to be a transition. So he, he ascended, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. And then, according to biblical teaching, then he sent the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you. And that's the whole story that we read about the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming down, and then Peter preaching an incredible message. So the Lord, in his ascension, left us the Holy Spirit. The church is cared for and nurtured by the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes intercession. The Father is the creator. Jesus makes intercession. And then the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. So the one that helps you navigate through these moments. And and, and the one who we feel here, that third person of the Trinity, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit strengthening us. We, we sing popular songs that Jesus is walking up and down the aisles. Yeah, that's a nice song. And sung by the right person with the right notes, wow, it can really move. He's up there in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is here. So when Jesus ascended, one of the things that was left behind was or sent was the Holy Spirit to help us navigate through life. The second thing is, believe it or not, was the Bible. Believe it or not, the Bible, when Jesus is quoting in Scripture and you read through the Gospels or whatever, the the Gospel books had not been written yet. When you go back and you look at what I just told you, the book of Acts, first chapter of the book of Acts and subsequent chapters that our church takes its uh, tradition from, the, the book of Acts, Luke hadn't written it yet. So Jesus was typically quoting from the Jewish Bible, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And in some instances, there there's some quotes that we refer to that are really extra-biblical texts, not really from the original Hebrew Bible, but from other writings that complemented the thesis or the point or the idea being brought forth by the Pentateuch, by the first five books of the Bible. So that's what Jesus was doing. When Paul, when we read Paul now, right? Corinthians and Ephesians and Colossians. And we read Paul's, the pastoral to, uh, 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 writings to Titus. And, but when Paul is quoting those things, he's not quoting from his own books. Those things hadn't been compiled yet. So when Jesus ascends, he leaves us the Holy Spirit. And he also leaves us this book that is then compiled. So what happens? We find that this Bible contains both Old Testament, the Pentateuch, and the prophets, and, and the, the, books, uh, the the Psalms, which are the songs, and on and on and on, biblical history, if you will, of the Jewish people, basically, the Old Testament. But then also it includes the writings of the New Testament to compile a total of 66 books in the Bible. The Bible is presented to us, and you'll see it today, in fact, in various versions. The Bible was not written in English. And I'm sad about it, but it wasn't written in Spanish either. I always thought it was written in Spanish. No, it was, it's actually written in three basic formats or languages, which is Hebrew for the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, it's Aramaic and Greek. And by the way, the Greek that is rendered is not the Greek that you would know today. It's an ancient form that's kind of hard to be able to even understand. So if you're a real student of the Bible, read it, read it, read it, read it. But in order to find true meaning and significance... You have to go back, and you hear preachers often, I don't do this, but you hear preachers doing this often, and you know, how it says it in the Greek, and then they try to tell you the Greek, they might as well stay away from that and just tell me how it says it in the English, because you don't know the Greek, I don't know the Greek, we don't know the Greek. But in order to be able to really understand meaning and extract meaning from the Word of God, you have to go back to the original writings. That's why people go to seminary. And that's why they take uh, studies on, on, uh, do studies on Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic in order to be able not to speak in those languages, but to be able to lift the intent of the author from here, right? But we have it in English, which are r- literally translations of, uh, of different uh, versions of Scripture that we have today. None of them are wrong, by the way, but if you really want to get to how to understand this, you need to go back to the original languages in order to become familiar with intent and in meaning, because so much can be lost along the way or mistranslated. Uh, I've had the privilege of studying more deeply, where and I've seen these nuances, these grammatical nuances that exist when you compare the uh, King James Version, when you, pl- when you compare NIV or whatever, or the message by Eugene Peterson, back to the original writings. You say, well, that's, that isn't really what it meant. Now, it wasn't that the translators were trying to fool you into anything. It's just simply that when you do oral tradition from one to the other, things get lost along the way. Not intentional. But in here you find the Old New Testament written originally in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And in order to understand it, you need to get more deeply involved. Because, see, God doesn't play games. There's one intent that he has in Scripture. Every book has one intent, one message. The way that's translated to us by the author there's a lot of things going a lot of static going on and by the time it gets to us it may not be what it means. but God doesn't play games. His rules here, his guidelines here, His commandments here are firm and they stand till this day. But God, here's what He did. in order to compile this book, God then inspired, again, here we go, through the Holy Spirit, inspired men, it was basically men, to put together the writings inspired by the Holy Spirit and then miraculously it was compiled and all of these authors, showed this sign of unity, which when we read it in history, it looks like unity. There was some debate going back and forth about compiling the 66 books. But nonetheless, this is what we have here today. So it has many authors, one mind, which is the mind of God, one intent, which is the intent of God, being now demonstrated to men and then inspiring those men through the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us truths. Now what this Bible contains for us today, Old and New Testament, is not all that we can learn of God. And in fact, all of God is not contained. Do you really think that there's a book that can contain all of God? No. What God simply did in his divine wisdom, and I've taught this before on some this pulpit, so I'm just repeating what some of the teachings I've done here. All we have here and what you will receive at the end of the service today is all that a human being has the capacity to understand. That's why when we get to heaven, we won't need the Bible. Because we don't need now to study about the light. We're going to be before the light. You don't need to explore truth because we're going to be standing before truth, right? So the Bible becomes irrelevant once you step out of the temporal and into the eternal. Now you're walking into God's domain and God himself will be the complete revelation for us when we get to the other side. So this won't be necessary anymore, all right? So this book contains God. It has teachings, ideas, thoughts that emerged from basically the oral tradition, passed down from one generation to others, others, but always directed by the Lord for us to have. Uh, in the Bible today is compiled the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but I believe also there's much more in here for us. So I started my talk today to talk about what Jesus left. He left the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he left us the word. And in order for you to live a transformational life, there needs to be an intersection in your life of both those realities. Of both the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit to cast light so that we can hear, we can see and understand. Right? And then secondly, the written word of the Lord, which is now intersected by the light, by I mean by the power of the Holy Spirit, then brings us knowledge that should be transformative. God didn't put this book together just so you could memorize every single verse. God put this, good, uh, this book together so that at least one, vo- one verse can change your life. There's a difference. Because you know people that can throw Bible verses here, there, and everywhere. But it doesn't matter. Is absorbing this so it changes your life. That's what it's about. That's why in this church, we don't worship the Bible. No, we worship the God of the Bible. But we don't worship the Bible. We don't bow. Now, that said, we also are not irreverent to this. This book, I, I've, I still have my Bibles. Once they, like if you see this Bible here, you won't see it like this very soon because I got another one. But, I mean, it's falling apart. But I would never, ever even think about finding an incinerator or a trash can that I can toss this thing. Why? Am I worshiping? No, but I, I highly revere it. And this, can, this book, this, this book here all torn up, has helped me navigate through a lot of stuff. I still have my 9-11 Bible. I still have my Hurricane uh, Sandy Bible. And this Bible is going to be my COVID-19 Bible that I'm going to keep downstairs because COVID is going to end. So you don't want to discard this. If you go to my office, and you know, the, I still have them. I have my big scope. When I was 16 years old, when I came to the Lord, I made a commitment to the Lord at 16. I wanted to be super hyper-religious and show the world that I'm really transformed. I used to carry this big Schofield Bible. (laughs) We had a big pulpit Bible here in this church that we used to have forever, and uh, we don't discard it. We still have it. We don't use it any longer, but we have it in a safe place downstairs. So this is not something that you just take and throw away. And I want to make sure you understand that, because when we give this to you, these Bibles are prayed over. These Bibles have meaning. They have significance, and I want you to be able to uh, honor it as we, we take it. So we can't just put this to a side. So as we, as we prepare to receive the Bibles today, just remember that this is not just an ordinary book. It contains teachings that are highly revered. We don't worship the Bible, but the content inside can be transformative. Its words are considered to be inspired by God. Although there are various authors, there is only tr- one true author, and that's God himself, who inspired men to write and to bring this to us. Therefore, although we don't worship it, we highly regard this book. It is not just any book. The second thing I want to bring to your attention with regard to the Bible uh, in here you have the roadmap for all things temporal and eternal. You want to be a better father? Let me present to you a manual. You want to be a better mom? You want to be a better brother or sister? You want to be a better citizen? You want to be a better Democrat, Republican, independent, or non-voting person? Whatever your, whatever floats your boat? In here. You want to be a better worker or a better entrepreneur? In here. You should have this nearby you, not just on your phone. I want some, somebody told tell me, say, yeah, but I have all the versions in the phone. What does it matter if you don't? So there's a purpose for this book. It's a roadmap for us. In fact, when we have problems and situations, th- the initial step should be run to this. That's certainly what I do. And not and, and coin, repeat the phrase, um, uh, you know, what, what does the Bible say? That, those are very heavy words. Let's go and see what it says. A, an incorrigible child facing grief and trauma and confusion. What does the Bible say? Can I be encouraged? Park yourself on a while in the Proverbs and read one of them every single day, and you'll see how encouraged you might be, for example. Or maybe we can't sing the songs of the Psalms of 150 chapters because we don't have the music to it, but simply reading it through has a way of encouraging. I mean, we could go around this room when you were in your, in your most trying moment, you picked up the Bible or you remembered a verse and you just repeated it, and that alone created faith inside of you. There's power in the words of God, in the word of God. So, it is a roadmap for all things. All things. You want to start a business, get in here. That's why Psalm 119 says, The word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. That's what it says. The other thing I want to bring to your attention today is that the, the Bible is where God is revealed. He is revealed as God. He is revealed as creator. In fact, the, it is in the Bible where we find that very famous verse. I love repeating it. Psalm 119 that says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hand. Of his hand. It, even if you're an atheist, you can't help but have nature impact you. I mean, when, when a rainbow comes out, it does something to you. When you see birds flying in the air and the sky. Yesterday, we were. I was at a funeral at, uh, yesterday. For a, a dear, a dearly loved person that we know, and I was there, and I remember one of the family says, "Look how beautiful!" Because in the morning it was beautiful. It got colder in the end of the day. But in a cemetery, in a moment, in, surrounded by death, surrounded by sadness, we looked up to the sky and couldn't help but get encouraged. In fact, I'm going to encourage you today. When you're feeling your worst, go outside of your house. I was going to tell you look out the window, but no, go outside. Yeah, but it's cold out. Go outside. I mean, you can't stand, yeah, you don't look at the East River and say, boy, you're so filthy. The water has a way of speaking to you, the wind. It does. You can't look at flowers the same way. Oh, they, I can get them cheaper at Pathmark. Pathmark's not there anymore. <laughs> Isn't it true you get a f- flower? For me, it's, it's, it's tropical fish. You go to a, you, who paints fish that way? They glisten in the light when, they, when their fins are, I mean, who does that? Right, and, and then in the Bible it says, if he cares for those things, how much more would he care? Amen. You can't help but get inspired. So the, the word of God shows us that as the sky, we, 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 had, we were privileged and honored. We're privileged to be able to travel. And when we went to the Grand Canyon, we drove all night because they told us to do that, to get to the rim. All night we drove. It was cold. We got out there. It's was cold. Couldn't see anything. Then all of a sudden, the light comes across the canyon. And there were probably 300 people there all shivering and talking about how cold it was. All of a sudden, it got quiet. And no one said a word, but you had to be inspired as you see the rays of the sun bouncing off the canyon walls. And you say, that's my God showing off. That's my God encouraging me today. Come on, praise the Lord. Maybe you need to look at nature a little bit more. Hallelujah. Even your dog, look at your no- dog and your cat a little bit different. God made him. You say, yeah, but you don't know your do- my dog. I don't know your dog. I don't want to know your dog. You know your dog. Your dog. Right? Creation has a way of speaking to us. God is revealed through his word. Even an atheist has to be in wonder and in awe of what they see. Even on the darkest, sometimes we think we have to look at, even in the nighttime, the glistening. When we went to Africa, I remember that time, we walked out in the middle. It was cold there in Zimbabwe. It was cold. We looked up. When you see, you almost feel like you can grab a star right out of the sky and put it in your pocket for another day. That is God. That is God. That is God. That is God. And this is what helps us to understand God and and his creation, the things that he has made all around us. People have to truly stand in awe. That's the word of God. That's the gift that we're giving you today that you're going to give to a loved one or someone that you know. But also uh, on our road to maturity, it is here that we find the manual, the instructions of how to behave. Uh, If you're going to park somewhere for your own development, park yourself on the Sermon on the Mount. And become a student of the Servant on the mountain in the New Testament. And if you start to apply those principles in your life, you're going to live a better life. You really will. And, and it, that's just a portion of Scripture. And as I said earlier, because, why? Because all of Timothy, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he told him, Listen, Timothy, you're a young and up-and-coming whippersnapper preacher person. But just know that all Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful to, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. You need to understand that the Bible contains all the material I need to know, all the information I need to know. In fact, you know, some of the best-selling be- uh, uh, help books that you find in the library, I mean, you can't go to the library the way you used to, but when you log on on Amazon and you see You look at those principles. So many of those principles come from here. I I was wondering the other day when I I did my work on the the confession, consecration, commitment, and celebration, the four C's that I teach about how to have an incredible, fantastic day. And then I go and I start reading these self-help books. And I say, wait a minute, that's confession. They just use another word. Wait a minute, that's commitment. They just use another word. I got to write a book on that so that I can become very, I I mean, I have the material. I will, I will, I will. I'm actually working on that. My point is all those things come from the Bible. You know, the the power of positive thinking is just a twist on concepts that we find from here. So why am I going to get secondhand information when I can go right to the source and get it myself every single morning that I want to? Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. Personal development transcends religion. It is you having a daily diet of God's Word in your life and leading yourself toward maturity. If you're an impatient person, read the Word. If you've got a negative attitude, read the Word. If you're moody, read the Word. If you're sarcastic, read the Word. If you're always getting into trouble, read the Word. If there's nothing positive coming out of you, read the Word. Don't look at anybody. Look at me. <laughs> the manual toward maturity. You want to know about marriage. Marriage is a biblical concept, by the way. That is The metaphor used uses Christ and the church. Read the Word. If you want to know about love, Hallmark does that eh, all right job. But if you go down to the chapter of love of 1 Corinthians 13 and you start living that out, you'll become a, become a better lover, become a better person, enhance your relationships even more. First Corinthians 13, just write it down and when we hand you the Bible, you can go right to it and you'll see it. Huh? Revisit that again. The manual. Don't leave this on the side. Use it all the time. Society uses non-religious words for biblical concepts. We need to realize that God is the author of all of those concepts and ideas. But the Bible can also be misused. So be careful. Not every prophecy, I preached this a few weeks ago. Not every prophecy that we heard is biblical. In the Bible says, in part we know and in part we prophesy. You have to be careful. If the prophecy does not fulfill what Scripture is saying, it is not from God. Somebody else is speaking it, and if it isn't God, you fill the blank on who is actually speaking it. You've got to watch prayers that are done. And I've said this before, and I'm going to be very open. You, you, get, you can get confused listening to the wrong people that say they have a prophecy and a word. No, be careful. It can be misused. Misused. There's no greater example in Scripture of the misuse of Scripture that when Jesus was in the wilderness, right? When he was in the wilderness, remember that story that we find in Scripture in Matthew chapter 4, where the devil, very, because the Bible the, the devil knows more Scripture than some Christians. Because uh, here he is confronted by Jesus, or confronting Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, and then the, di- the the devil has the audacity to say because isn't it written? And then the amazing thing is he quotes it. Just because somebody quotes and quotes, make sure that whoever's telling you about the word can live it. If they're living it then listen to you, but if all they can do is quote it and misquote it and missupply run from those people be careful there's confusion rampant in the church because and i told you last sunday it wasn't a self-grand a statement to lift us up but stay close to us this is a good place you're going to eat well spiritually in this place but i have no problem calling what what is darkness darkness and we're living in a time of confusion where we're running back and forth and somebody prophesied and said this to me no be careful the devil himself in the wilderness. But I love the Lord because the Lord heard what Satan was saying. Knowing that Satan couldn't live what he was saying, it was written. And Jesus came right back with, it is written because I am the word. Confronting the powers that be. You need to be careful. There's always an inclination to misquote scripture. You know, we, you have to be able to, to, to quote it correctly and live it correctly. And Paul also writes to the Corinthian church and he says, for we know in part And in part, we also prophesy. So we need to be careful. You need to weigh and analyze and even judge. And I'm giving you permission right now. Judge words that are spoken based on the word. Hallelujah. I find no scripture that says that I have to call angels from any place else. I find no scripture. So if God didn't say it, somebody said it, but it wasn't God. Hallelujah. There's no quoting of scripture like that. I think the angels come as in the case of the wilderness. The Bible says that after Jesus fought with the enemy, and the enemy kept saying, It is written, throw yourself and worship me, and all that stuff. It says in the text that at the end of the story, Jesus was then ministered to by angels that came down and ease because he won the battle. We need to be careful, church. Everything that shakes shakes is not God. It might look like light, but it is not light. It is actually darkness that brings confusion into our lives. Come on, you can pray. You can clap or do something. I don't know. Do something. In part, we know, and in part, we prophesy. This is not just any book. The book you're going to receive today, you are giving life. The other thing is, don't use the Bible. When we give it to you today, we're going to do that. Don't pick it up and say, oh, yeah, I got somebody. I have work. Got to give it to them. Hear this from you, get your life together, okay? <laughs> Take it! You know how the way you've been living. Get your life together. Here! <laughs> get yourself saved. You've been bad long enough. Here you are. In fact, here too. You need so much anointing, here, too. <laughs> the motive. We have to approach this word humbly. Humbly. I would do a disservice to this pulpit and this church if I came up here arrogantly saying I have it all together. Now, I got some stuff together. I love the wrestling back and forth, the philosophical and theological items. I love it. But I don't do that simply to show that you've got to get yourself all together. We've got to treat this book humbly. You know why? Because this is the two-edged sword. Are you listening to me right now? <laughs> you thought it was one edge all over. you you you're medding out but it's coming right back to you perfect people please raise your hand at this moment on the other side of the camera i see you no no huh? no we have to be careful we have to treat this humbly when you have a discovery here it is not as a hammer to pound down on people that's why you can't go and say here you need this cuz your life is a mess you're an embarrassment to your mom and your papa here take it already take it it's humbly realizing that what we're giving is life into somebody's hands. When we do that, we're honoring the Word of God. So what are we going to do today? In a few moments, the pastors are going to help us. Well, at the close of the service, you'll be able to get these. And we're going to hand out the the Bible. You need to know that the Bible is the starting point. Uh, You need to sit under solid biblical teaching and preaching. I think another item that's important, as I'm drawing to a close right now, is um, we need to develop a critical mind. God is not put off off with you questioning for the sake of discovery. Well, You ever read a verse that you say, ooh? No? Sometimes a verse is like, ooh, I don't want to apply that in my life. This is for her or him, not for me. Ooh, you back away. There are going to be things that we discover in here that at the moment we not understand. You ever also on another uh, track, have you read a scripture last year that you put it aside, and then today you read it and you say, where was this verse all along? Oh my goodness, it speaks to me. You read it last year, but you don't remember because you have to be in the right place at the right moment for that that to pierce your heart. We need to realize and be careful. And it's okay to have questions about Scripture and about things going on. It's okay if you don't get it that Peter walked on water. How is that scientifically possible? Have those doubts. Just don't have unbelief. Unbelief is destined yourself to hell and condemnation, but questions, no. There's nothing wrong with that, and you're going to wrestle with some, some things in here that don't make sense. Now, be wise. Your wrestlings, don't share it with somebody else because your, your doubt may be somebody else's unbelief. So you don't want to feed something to, to them that you're, you're, you're wrestling with. But my point in bringing this is, okay, God can, can, can deal with you being critical and looking at the text. I certainly do that. It's not that I don't accept what I'm reading. I'll accept what I'm reading. But that doesn't mean that it sits comfortably with me. Or I'll have to say, well, let me back away from that for a moment because I need, to, I need to research that a little bit more. It's not that I'm rejecting the text. It's for a moment I need to pull away from that passage and start to figure out, wait a minute, what does this mean for me? And is it for me or is it for the church? That's critical thinking. We're living in a time where oftentimes we, we just, I mean, boy, if I can give more examples on this, you, people just just believe nonsense, and God wants us, when you came to the Lord, you did not lose your ability to weigh all options. Let me give you an example, because I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, for me, when I was journeying through seminary, I remember in seminary, and I'm Pentecostal. I speak in tongues, by the way. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, the charismatic gifts of the, of the New Testament church. That's me. I go to seminary, and seminary, oftentimes what they do is they try to dismantle your faith, right? So I remember a discussion with a, with a professor about the issue of speaking in tongues. And what they call cessation. Cessation means that the, the premise of cessation is that, the, yes, there was definitely an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the first century in the upper room. And they spoke in unknown divine tongues. But cessation, to cease, means that that stopped right there. Right? Because you can't critique something unless you understand all sides. That's why don't tell your friend you should divorce him unless you hear the other person's story. He did that to you? <laughs> if you haven't talked to him, don't tell them a conclusion. Because a, a person that is wise and mature listens to all sides before, and sometimes the Bible even talks about this in Proverbs, that it's better to be silent than say anything. We're too quick, right? But I'm going back to my story in seminary. When I was in seminary, so they tried to so dismantle. I got it. So I went and I started to study cessation. And this whole concept, biblical concept, not biblical concept, seminary concept of cessation, that it said in the first century, the gifts of the Spirit did not, they stopped functioning, that they, they, they were true, it did happen, the apostles spoke, there were flames presented, all of that happened in the first century in the upper room, but it was a one-time event, right? So now I understood the argument when it was presented to me. But then I came back, I said, but here's the problem that I have with that, that conclusion, Is that I'm not living in the first century. I was born in 1953 and I speak in tongues. So, what are you going to say to me then? You can argue my premise, but you can't argue my testimony. So, help me figure it out. I'm not going to hell, I'm not a cult. But you only arrive, and then we end up discussing it further, because also there's a point where you can't convince anybody so just let it go. That's right, That's right. let, let it go. Understand it, but let it go. What's the point? There's other things to do. I got to go wash my car and, you know, take my wife out and buy groceries. I, I'm like, in fact, you don't need to argue this book. If you do that intersection of knowing and the power of the Holy Spirit... You can never convince some people. Just let the Holy Spirit work in their lives. and trans- You cannot transform anybody. But don't let others define who you are and your experience. Are you following me? I hope I didn't lose you under my, my example. And this was a seminary professor. I said, Professor, I got it. I respect you. You wrote the book on cessation. <laughs> I read your book on cessation. I understand both sides of the argument. It's like this whole, this, whole, uh, this whole argument that Jesus didn't really resurrect, right? It was this, uh, this phenomena, which is crazier to try to accept academically, but this phenomena that happened, that Jesus went into a trance. So he really wasn't dead. He was sitting in the, he was laying down in the tomb. This theory, right? Okay, you believe that. If that's going to help you get to heaven, good. But what helps me get to heaven is that he came back and resurrected, came out of the tomb, ascended, is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me. But I understand your point. Are you getting it? You don't have to, God doesn't need you nor me to defend him. He's very good at defending himself. You and I need to become students of the word. Let the Holy Spirit guide us so that we can have some revelation. Have friends that might be charismatic or non-charismatic or whatever, as long as they're living the Word, right? People that are speaking to your lives. They don't have to be of your tradition. Be open and receptive that way, and then what you're going to experience is the power of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need to be careful when you attempt to speak on God's behalf. Always approach Scripture humbly and prayerfully, and when you do that, this book will operate unlike any other book. So in a few moments, I'm going to we'll officiate the moment where we're going to hand out the word for you. I want you to take it. I want you to think of someone that you can give it to them as a, as a humble gift. It could be a neighbor, a friend, a relative, someone close to you. It could be the grocery guy in the corner, someone that parks your car, the, whoever it might be, a coworker. We want you to pass this forward and then pray that the Holy Spirit goes along with it. I want to pray a blessing over these books again. And uh, as we prepare to, in a bit, right after, toward the end of the service, we'll hand them out, but I want to do the prayer right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, I come before you in the name of Christ to step into the place of consecration. Step away from this momentary discussion. Lord, we're getting ready to this service to distribute these Bibles. And what a blessing it is to do that. But I pray that the congregation will realize this is not just another book we pray Lord that these books these Bibles will cast light into areas of darkness bring hope into hopeless situations bring peace to people going through chaos I pray Lord that as we hand these to the congregation and empower the congregation to be now Bible distributing soldiers that as we hand those over to people that we know, neighbors, friends, family members, loved ones, that, Lord, what we're giving them is hope for tomorrow. And, Lord, if at any time people need the Word of God is in the time we're living in right now. The prescription for success is there. The prescription for a, a solid home, there. The template for an effective church is there. So I pray right now, Lord, your grace, your anointing over every single one of these Bibles that we're going to distribute. I pray your grace and anointing over the hands that will receive them. And I pray, Lord, as that is transferred over as a gift to someone else, that it be more than just a presentation of a gift, but the possibility of a new life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up throughout the sanctuary. Lift up your hands. I want to pray a blessing over you as we continue with the service. Father, I stand before this beautiful, absolutely beautiful congregation and my friends that are on the other side of that camera. And This is a special day. This is Advent Sunday. It begins today as we do the countdown, Lord, toward your appearance in the history of mankind. Help us, Lord, to examine our walk, our journey with you, to experience experience the miraculous in our in our walk. Help us, Lord, to be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit as we reflect on the text. And Lord, that we might live a life of truly being victorious in you. Lord, we know that all things are resolved in our relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to achieve that in Jesus' name. And I pray multiple blessings over your people today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on,